the message of salvation brought by the Son and given to the apostles, and God confirmed that that was the right message we ought to believe by signs and wonders and miracles performed by the apostles. What a serious thing it is to disregard that message. Welcome to The Word Unleashed with Tom Pennington. Tom is pastor-teacher at Countryside Bible Church in Southlake, Texas. Does God continue to give revelation? And are there still prophets today? And is the prophetic gift that was operative in the early days of the New Testament church still a spiritual gift available to Christians in today's church? Hello again, I'm Bill Wright. And today, Tom has part eight of his current series titled Gifted to Serve. Out of all the spiritual gifts mentioned in the New Testament, the gift of prophecy causes some of the greatest contention and confusion within the church. But the scriptures make it clear that this specific gift ceased to exist after the time of the apostles. But why did it cease? And since that's so, why so much confusion and contention? Does getting this issue right have clear and lasting benefits to the church? And do serious theological implications exist? If not, keep those questions in mind as we join our teacher now on The Word Unleashed. God enabled Moses to perform miracles, to validate Moses as God's prophet, and Moses' message as God's own words. Then you come to the end of Moses' ministry in the book of Deuteronomy, as he anticipates his death, as he's preparing the children of Israel to enter the promised land without him, he says to them in Deuteronomy 18, there are going to be more prophets like me that will come. Of course, the great fulfillment of that is the great prophet ultimately fulfilled in Jesus Christ our Lord. But it's equally clear in Deuteronomy 18 that Moses was describing an institution of prophecy that was already active in his day and that God would continue to send prophets to speak on his behalf. How would the people know if they came and spoke on God's behalf? Moses lays down some criteria. The Holy Spirit through Moses lays down some criteria for us. First of all, he says, whatever that prophet says must agree with previous revelation. He said, look, if a prophet comes, he works a miracle, it's a real miracle, it's verifiable, but he speaks contrary to what God has already said. In other words, if it's not in keeping with God's word, then he doesn't represent God. But the other thing that's said in Deuteronomy 13, one to five, is that if God chose to authenticate a prophet, he would empower him to work miracles just as he had empowered Moses. So in the Old Testament, only prophets, only those who spoke authoritatively and infallibly for God performed miracles because miracles were their credentials. Now, if you doubt that, let me give you some proof of that. Let's consider Elijah. Elijah states that that was the very purpose for the miracle God allowed him to perform on Mount Carmel. You remember his most famous miracle is calling down fire on the altar and consuming it there in front of the prophets of Baal. Listen to what Elijah says in 1 Kings 18.36. 
Elijah the prophet came near, and this is his prayer to God on that occasion. O God, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, today let it be known, and then he has two requests, let it be known that you are God in Israel, number one, and number two, that I am your servant and I have done all these things, not just what he's doing that day, but in his ministry at your word. In other words, prove to these people by this miracle that I speak for you. Now, just as with Moses and the Old Testament prophets, when you come to the New Testament, you find that the primary purpose of Jesus' miracles was exactly the same. It was to confirm his credentials as the final and ultimate messenger who spoke for God. John the Apostle makes a great point of this again and again in his gospel. Turn to John chapter 5. John chapter 5, verse 36, our Lord speaking to those who haven't believed in him. And he says, 536, but the testimony which I have is greater than the testimony of John. For the works, that is the miracles which the Father has given me to accomplish, the very works that I do testify about me that the Father has sent me. Go over to chapter 6, verse 14. Therefore, when the people saw the sign, that's a word which means an attesting miracle which he had performed, they said, this is truly the prophet who was to come into the world. God has proven, he's confirmed that this is his spokesman by allowing him to perform this miracle. Go over to chapter 10, John chapter 10 and verse 24. The Jews then gathered around him and were saying to him, how long will you keep us in suspense? If you are the Messiah, tell us plainly. Jesus answered them, I told you, and you do not believe. Notice this, the works that I do in my Father's name, these testify of me, that I am in fact the Messiah, that I am everything I've claimed. Go down to verse 37. If I do not do the works of my Father, do not believe me. But if I do them, though you do not believe me, believe the works, the miracles, so that you may know and understand that the Father is in me and I in the Father. Jesus said, it's my miracles that confirm my word to you, my, my attestation that I am in fact the Messiah, the Son of God. And, of course, Peter said the same thing on the day of Pentecost in Acts 2, verse 22. He says, Jesus the Nazarene, listen to this, was a man attested to you by God. How did God attest to him? With miracles and wonders and signs which God performed through him in your midst. In other words, God proved to you that he was, in fact, all that he claimed and that his words were God's words through the the signs and the wonders, the miracles that he performed. The miracles of the apostles served exactly the same purpose. In Acts chapter 14, verse 3, Paul and Barnabas spent a long time in Iconium speaking boldly with reliance upon the Lord. Now listen to this. And the Lord was testifying, notice that word, the Lord was testifying to the word of his grace spoken by Paul 
granting that signs and wonders be done by their hands. It's interesting, by the way, that it's not merely the apostles who are permitted to perform miracles or have these miraculous gifts at times. It's those around them to substantiate, not those around them, but to substantiate the apostles and their message. So the miraculous gifts that accompanied the apostles were intended to confirm that they were God's genuine instruments of revelation, just as was true with Moses, the Old Testament prophets, and Jesus himself. (laughs) Excuse me. Now listen carefully. Since that pattern is consistent throughout the Scripture… Since this pattern of miracles to confirm revelation is consistent throughout the Scripture, it is reasonable to expect that with the death of the apostles and the end of God's revelation through them, the human capacity to work miracles would end as well, just as it did after the ministries of Moses and the ministry of Elijah and Elisha. That's why it was such a short time. It was to confirm the messenger. In the New Testament era then, just as in the other times, once their message was accepted as from God, the capacity to work miracles began to die out and eventually left entirely. Now, if you're thinking with me, and if you're somewhat biblically arguing with me, as you should be, you may be tempted to ask this question. I hope you are. How do we know that was God's intention and purpose? The answer to that is because it is clear with one of the gifts that Christ gave his church, and that is the gift of apostleship. Apostles, they were a temporary gift to the church of Christ. We saw them in the lists, but it's clear that that gift has ceased. Why? Because there are three qualifications to be an apostle in the New Testament. To be an apostle, you have to meet three qualifications. Number one, you had to be a witness of the resurrected Christ. That's why in Acts 1.22, when they're trying to fill Judas's place, what do they say? He's got to have been a witness of the resurrection. Secondly, to be an apostle, you had to be personally appointed by Jesus Christ. Acts 1.2 refers to apostles as those whom he had chosen. And again, that's why when they go to fill Judas's spot in Acts one twenty four. they pray, Lord, show which one of these two you have chosen. A third qualification to be an apostle is you had to be able to work miracles. In 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 12, Paul writes, the signs of a true apostle, he's talking about himself here, were performed among you. The signs of a true apostle were performed among you with all perseverance by signs and wonders, and miracles. Now, those were the qualifications to be an apostle. No one meets those three qualifications today. So listen carefully. At least one New Testament spiritual gift, the gift of apostleship, ceased with the death of the apostles. What that means is, is it means there is a significant difference in the work of the Spirit between the time of the apostles and today. Because one of the most miraculous displays of the Spirit, the gift of apostleship, disappeared with the passing of the apostolic age. And here's another important note. 
the gift of apostleship ceased without a clear, crystal clear New Testament statement that it would cease. You won't find a verse somewhere that says, and there'll be no more apostles. And yet, that's still true. That means it is neither impossible nor even unlikely that other significant changes happen with the passing of the apostles as well. Once you agree that there are no apostles today at the same level with Peter and Paul, then you have admitted that there is a major change in the gifting of the Spirit between the apostolic age and the post-apostolic age. Because the one New Testament gift most frequently associated with miracles, the gift of apostleship, ceased. The truth is, the evidence shows that the other miraculous gifts declined even during the New Testament era, during the age of the New Testament world. Think of the sort of timeline. Pentecost and the events of Acts chapter 2 happen within 10 days of our Lord's ascension. The second mention of tongues in Acts 10 verse 46 occurs within the next 14 years before the death of James in 44 A.D., The third mention of tongues in Acts 19.6 occurs early in Paul's ministry at Ephesus in the early 50s AD. So that third mention occurs in the early 50s. 1 Corinthians, the only book outside of Acts that speaks about tongues was written in about 55-56 AD. Now why do I tell you all that? Because if you align the letters of Paul based on when they were written, 1 Corinthians was only the fourth letter he wrote after Galatians and First and Second Thessalonians. Paul wrote nine other inspired letters after First Corinthians to six different churches, and there's never a mention of the gift of tongues again. In the pastoral epistles, First and Second Timothy and Titus, the books written near the end of Paul's ministry to, to lay out the permanent directives for the post-apostolic ministry of the church, There is no mention of any miraculous gift at all except for prophecy, and we'll talk about that, Lord willing, next time. So even during the New Testament era, we see the miraculous gifts on the decline, so much so that when you come to just before 70 AD and the destruction of the temple, the writer of Hebrews writing his wonderful letter, we don't know who it was, but when he writes, he makes it clear that miracles are already a past tense reality. Turn with me to Hebrews chapter 1. Hebrews chapter 1, verse 1. God, after he spoke long ago to the fathers and the prophets in many portions and in many ways, in these last days, that's a reference to the days of the Messiah, (coughs) excuse me, has spoken to us in his Son, In these last days, he has spoken to us in his Son. Now, go over to chapter 2, verse 1. For this reason, that is because his Son is so much more highly exalted than angels, we must pay much closer attention to what we have heard so that we do not drift away from it. For if the word spoken through angels proved unalterable, this is the, the Mosaic covenant, and every transgression and disobedience received a just penalty... How will we escape if we neglect so great a salvation? He says, listen, 
when Messiah came, when God gave us his final word in Christ, he, he gave us the complete and full, unadulterated, crystal clear message of salvation through his son. And how in the world will we escape if we neglect that message that came not through angels, but through the Son. Now notice verse 3. After this message of salvation was at first spoken through the Lord, it was confirmed to us by those who heard. Now notice there are three generations in that one statement. You have the Lord, He originated the message. Then you have to those who heard. That's the apostles who passed on the message the Lord shared with them. And then the writer of Hebrews and those he's writing to, and just before 70 AD, he says, it was confirmed to us by the apostles, those who heard. So you've got, a, you've got the Lord, apostles, the writer of Hebrews, and those to whom he writes. Now notice what he says. It was confirmed to us, that message of salvation, by the apostles, God also testifying with, notice the pronoun, them, both by signs and wonders and by various miracles and by gifts of the Holy Spirit according to his own will. So the writer of Hebrews is saying all of those miracles that confirmed and testified to the message of salvation that Christ brought, that he brought and bought with his own blood, that was confirmed through the miracles that they worked. And that message was delivered to us and confirmed through those miracles. By the way, let me just stop here for a moment and say that if you're here and you're not a follower of Jesus Christ, this passage in its context is a warning. You see, the writer of Hebrews is writing to people who understood the basic truths about Christ, and they were on the fence about whether or not to really follow him or fall back into the practice of first century Judaism. And the writer of Hebrews says, listen, what a serious thing it is to have a message from God brought not by angels, not, not like the, 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 the Sinaitic covenant, but rather the message of salvation brought by the Son and given to the apostles, and God confirmed that that was the right message we ought to believe by signs and wonders and miracles performed by the apostles. What a serious thing it is to disregard that message. That's what he says, notice at the beginning of verse 3, how shall we escape? If you're here this morning and you're not a follower of Jesus Christ, it is a serious thing to God that you have disregarded his gift of salvation and the messenger, his son that he sent, and the way he confirmed it to you. God is saying, what else do you need to believe? How will you escape if you neglect such a great salvation? Confirm to us by the Lord and his apostles and the miracles they work. But back to the point that the writer is making that I want to make, even in the chronological flow of inspired New Testament history, even before the Scripture was complete, the miraculous gifts had already begun to decline. The miracles that confirmed the apostles, the New Testament prophets, and their message had begun to die out. That, folks, is the reality of the New Testament historical record. But you can go beyond the New Testament record to after the New Testament era, and the testimony of the church in what they taught and practiced was that the miraculous gifts of the New Testament ceased with the apostles. Let me give you just two examples. 
The first is one of the greatest expositors of the early centuries of the church, a man named John Chrysostom. He ministered in the 300s, and he talks about 1 Corinthians 12, and he says this, this whole place is very obscure, but the obscurity is produced by our ignorance of the facts referred to, and listen to this, by their cessation being such as then used to occur, but now no longer take place. Then there is Augustine, one of the greatest of the early church fathers, who wrote in the early 400s, quote, in the earliest times the Holy Spirit fell upon them that believe, and they spoke with tongues, which they had not learned as the Spirit gave them utterance. That thing was done for a sign, and it passed away, end quote. So the testimony of the New Testament, the, the whole purpose for miracles to confirm the message, the, the message and the message of the post-New Testament era is all the same. So with that overview then, let's see if we can identify the spiritual gifts that we had on our list in the New Testament that were temporary miraculous sign gifts. Again, today I'm not going to give you a definition, Lord willing, the next time we study together I will give you a definition. Let's just categorize them for now. First, let's identify the ones that were for revelation. That is, God primarily delivering His truth to His people. Apostle, prophecy, distinguishing of spirits, that goes along with prophecy, to distinguish those who were really prophets and those who weren't, word of wisdom and word of knowledge. Those gifts provided primarily revelation of God's Word in the New Testament era until the Scripture was complete. The second set of miraculous gifts are primarily for confirmation. Again, this isn't like a… there's not a clear line here. Some of these did include some revelation, but these were primarily about confirmation. Miracles, healings, faith. Now, some argue that faith is not a miraculous sign gift, but every other gift listed with it in 1 Corinthians 12 seems to be a sign gift, so it's likely that it is intended to be here as well. Tongues or languages and the interpretation of tongues. These gifts primarily confirmed the apostles and prophets, and the message or revelation that was received through them. We saw that in 2 Corinthians 12, 12. We saw that especially in Hebrews 2. Listen to it again. The message of salvation was spoken through the Lord. It was confirmed to us by those who heard, God testifying with them by signs and wonders and various miracles and gifts of the Holy Spirit. So there they are, the ten temporary miraculous sign gifts. Through these gifts, God gave the early church revelation and confirmation that the messenger spoke for him. And our Lord was God's final word to us. Remember, God spoke in various ways, has in these last days spoken to us in his Son. And of course, through his authorized representatives, the apostles. So don't miss the larger point. You now hold in your hand. Look at, look at that Bible that you hold in your hand. It is the completed, inspired Scripture that came to us through the revelation given to the Old Testament prophets, the apostles, and the New Testament prophets. 
And they and their message was often authenticated and confirmed to us as God's Word because God gave them the power to work miracles, and the testimony of those miracles is recorded here as a testament to the fact that this is, in fact, God's Word. You now hold in your hand, you don't need the miraculous gifts to confirm this, you now hold in your hand what Peter called the prophetic Word made more sure thanks to the miraculous gifts that confirmed it. You have God's final word in his son and in the scripture written. That's Tom Pennington here on The Word Unleashed with part eight of Gifted to Serve. Join us next time for part nine. In a world filled with great uncertainty, God's Word and the promises it contains offer wonderful encouragement to believers in Jesus Christ. We pray that the ministry of the Word Unleashed is playing a prominent role to that effect, and we'd love to hear how that works in your life and personal walk with the Lord. Write to us, won't you? Our address is listeners at the wordunleashed.org. Again, that's listeners at the wordunleashed.org. Or you can call us at 1-877-577-WORD. And remember to connect with us on social at The Word Unleashed. We also invite you to visit thewordunleashed.org where you'll find other resources, including additional radio series from The Word Unleashed. That's all at thewordunleashed.org. And now for Tom Pennington and the entire team, I'm Bill Wright. Thanks for listening to The Word Unleashed, exalting God's glory, explaining God's truth.